a Podcast One production. Welcome to Crappy to Happy with Tiff and Cass. Last episode, we were talking about life after a baby. Today, we're going to talk about making a comeback, how to be more resilient. So Cass, let's start with a definition of resilience. Okay. Resilience is often considered to be a personality trait, that Mm -hmm. you either have it or you don't, whereas resilience is actually more appropriately described as a process. So we cultivate resilience um, in the ways that we learn to cope with stress and adversity and difficulty. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the early research around resilience came out of... um, looking at children from poor socioeconomic backgrounds, disadvantaged families, and looking at which ones were able to cope and thrive and do well in life and mm-hmm. which ones actually didn't, which ones ended up in, you know, crime or, mm-hmm. you know, drugs and, and things like that. So that, that's where this kind of topic or this research topic of resilience uh, sprang from. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, we use the word resilience, I guess, to describe... Um, you know, the the kinds of skills and processes and the capacity to cope with life, to bounce mm. back from setbacks and difficulties or to, uh, to, to cope with change and crisis. Yes. And in, in the modern world we live in, people are more stressed, they're more overwhelmed, overwhelmed. they're even, you know, you, you, diets are worse, we're eating more sugar, we're, it's, it's impacting our brains, we're feeling as stressed as can be and we're always on 24-7. We are. In fact, the digital whole, the whole digital age has really mm. impacted us in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But, but it also has affected how we work and how we live mm-hmm. and it affects our levels of stress generally can be out of balance so you're working more and you're not you know it's and there are you know the the world is changing rapidly Mm -hmm. and I suppose there's this increased focus on how we um how we cultivate this ability to be able to cope with challenge and change and get on with it and deal with setbacks and you know how do we equip our children yes to deal with a changing world and mm-hmm. to deal with difficulties and setbacks. I think there's some, you know, there's a lot of talk out there that we wrap our kids in cotton wool and we don't do them any favours mm-hmm. these days. But what we really want to be doing is equipping them with the skills to cope and to deal mm-hmm. with tough stuff mm-hmm. in life. And we see that in workplaces as well. So there's a heavy focus, there's a strong focus at the moment on this concept of resilience and yes. what it is and how, how do we have more of it. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I first came across resilience through martial arts and it was something that was talked about around, you know, teaching self-defence and um, anti-bullying and all of that. But it was more so about controlling your emotions and controlling your responses, which is very important in self-defence situations and things like that. So my question to you, Cass, is resilience just about like controlling your emotions? Is it about um, always just being mentally tough, always keep going no matter what? Is that what resilience is? No. Mm. So, and I actually read an article just the other day, I posted it on my Facebook about this misconception that resilient people are people who... Tough. uh, Yeah, yeah, there's this sort of hardness to it or that they, they don't ever experience difficulties or mm-hmm. negative emotions mm-hmm. that they just push like through. Like a machine. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's not the case at all. It's about how we interact with our environment mm-hmm. and how we manage our emotions mm-hmm. and manage ourselves in the face of difficulty, mm-hmm. I think is probably more mm-hmm. true um, mm-hmm. and more appropriate definition of what resilience is. That makes sense. So we all know people mm-hmm. either in our own lives or that we know of through, you know, who are mm-hmm. celebrities or in the media who have seemed to have this this uh, quality of yes. resilience, if yes. we call it a quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, by definition, it's actually a process. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think of J.K. Rowling and how many... yeah publishes she submitted Harry Potter to. Yeah. I, I think she had, I don't remember, is it 12 rejections, 20 rejections? Yes. And she just kept on going. And she was a single parent supporting a child, living in poverty, mm-hmm. but she just had utmost belief in this manuscript. Story. Yeah. And, and she kept going and she got through. And we don't always hear about, uh, not everybody has been no, through th- and that often adversity. you look at an overnight success and you think, oh, they're an overnight success. But early on, my mum said to me, for every overnight success, there's 10 years of hard work behind that overnight success. So you, you people always stick at it and it's the most important thing to teach kids and to, to, to learn ourselves to never give up. To, to stick at it if yeah, you believe in it. Yeah, to stick at it. And so we, I guess we all, when we see it mm-hmm. like that, we, we really admire it, mm-hmm. you know, but we don't hear necessarily of all the people who have, who have packed it in mm-hmm. and given it away and who haven't coped with the rejection or haven't been able to deal with the failure. And so who have given up and gone on to do something else mm. and not just in celebrity world, but in, in life, mm. you know, we see people who can rise to a challenge mm-hmm. and push through and do really well and achieve success. And we see other people who tend to just not cope so mm. well. And and I guess all of us at different times and in different situations cope better mm-hmm. or not. But I guess what we're talking about is this capacity to be able to, um, you know, get some negative feedback or experience mm-hmm. a disappointment or a failure. And then what do you do with that? Yes. You know, do you continue? Do you push through? Do you take it on the mm-hmm. chin and learn from it? Or do you let that defeat you? Mm. And so m- more often than not, what we're trying to do is to not let it defeat yes. us and to um, to use that to move forward and to make progress in life. I think that's a really important skill. And is it as simple, Cass, as saying, you know, I fail over and over and that's why I, why I succeed. I fail, I learn, I move on, I never lose. I just learn. You see all these inspirational quotes about... I think that's great in hindsight. Failing, <laughs> failing, and failing forward, you know, but y- y- when you're in it, it's really hard. Yeah. When you're in it, it is really hard. And, and also, you know, I hear that failing forward thing and I think that was really a big thing in organisations for a while mm-hmm. as well. But the organisation has to support that as well. I think that's a whole actually a separate conversation yeah. because if you're in an organisational environment that doesn't support failure, mm-hmm. um, then that's re- very risky. That's a mm-hmm. very emotionally risky. So, mm-hmm. and I think this is why actually more organisations are saying we want to we want a resilient workforce. We want to mm-hmm. be able to to cultivate um, that capacity to share ideas, to put yourself out mm-hmm. there, to be able to take on hard feedback. Um, but but the whole organisation has to be on board with supporting that. Yeah. Okay, Cass. So are you born with resilience or can you up it? You can definitely increase it. Mm. You know, um, whether you're born with it, we're all born with a particular, you know, kind of temperament and mm-hmm. personality traits. And I think we're very adaptable as little human beings on the planet. But certainly there are environmental factors that, and, you know, personal things that we can do that will increase our resilience. Yeah. So let's talk about those things. Can you share with us where do you begin 
in cultivating this resilience? Because I'm particularly interested in it as a mum, mm-hmm. wanting to build a resilient child. I really think that t- to start with, resilience has a lot to do with how you interpret how you interpret and the meaning that you make of failure mm-hmm. and of disappointment and setback and feeling inadequate. Mm-hmm. You know, so a, a lot of it comes down to how, because as, as we've talked about before, everything that happens in life, we make meaning of it. Yes. And that dictates how we respond. It d- dictates how we respond emotionally to that mm-hmm. and the next thing that we do, the next behavior that we do. So with, um, with failure, for example, the, there is some research around uh, whether we have an optimistic or a pessimistic explanatory style, so mm-hmm. that how we explain difficulty, how we explain setback. And there's some research that if you have a more optimistic explanatory mm-hmm. style, then you tend to be more resilient. And we can, we can learn that. Learned optimism mm-hmm. was uh, you know, a theory put forward by Martin Seligman, father of positive psychology. And he... So, I teach people this all the time. The critical thing are the three P's. So when something goes wrong in your life, you fail an exam, you uh, don't make the sports team, you lose your job, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it might be. Do you, the three P's are how much do you personalize that? So personalization is it's all my fault. Yes. It's all on me mm-hmm. versus there are other th- factors that have come into play mm-hmm. here. The other one is permanence. It's all over every you yes. know this it'll I'll never bounce back from this mm-hmm. versus this is just a temporary setback I'm just going to take stock regroup mm-hmm. and then move forward and the third one is pervasiveness which is uh something goes wrong and my whole life is a disaster mm-hmm. versus it's just this one exam you know other things in my life are all going well and so and it's this this disappointment is contained to this one area of my life so I always say to people check your 3 Ps because if you have a difficulty or a setback and you start saying, and you can listen to people's language and you mm. can listen to your own language, what a disaster. I'm, I always screw things up. I'm such a loser. Mm-hmm. I'll never get it right. Yes. It's all over. Then that's a really self-defeating way of thinking about mm-hmm. a difficulty or a setback. But if you can change some of that language, if you can rethink and, you know, cognitive restructuring mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. you know, just basically changing how you think about things mm-hmm. to be able to sit back and say, Okay, well, maybe it wasn't all on me. Maybe, this, you know, part of it was me, but part of it was this and this and these other factors. And maybe it's, you know, it's not forever and it's, and it's not all over. And I can, you know, keep this in perspective. Mm-hmm. Then I can have a, another go. What can I learn from it and how do I move on from that? So ch- that's a really important one. Yeah. That optimism, that and optimism again, is a, it's considered to be a trait, like a part of your personality, mm-hmm. but it's... But it's also a um, can be a, st- an, a state or an explanatory mm-hmm. style. So you can learn to reframe things in a more optimistic way. And there's a lot of benefits to doing that, you know, for resilience, but yeah. also just for, um, you know, optimistic people tend to do better generally yep. in life. In performance. Yeah. With the personalization, what are some techniques to avoid that negative language? Well, in psychology, we have a really basic process that we mm-hmm. use and we teach it to people uh, and anybody can use it. Anybody can do it. And we call it the ABC, mm-hmm. the ABCDE actually. Mm-hmm. So we talk about A is the activating event. So what's happened. So, and you can write this down and you can mm-hmm. chart it on a piece of paper. A is something happened. And then B is the belief. 
What do I tell myself about that? Mm-hmm. What's the story that I'm telling myself? We've all got a story that we're telling ourselves about whatever has happened. Yes. And so getting that down is really important mm-hmm. because the A happens, the B is the belief, I tell myself something, and then the C is the consequence. As a result, I feel a particular way. And as a result, I behave in a particular way. So the D in this whole process is to go back and dispute those beliefs and those ideas. So if I can go, if, if you've got really clear, if you can really clearly write down and be, un, and be um, sorry, not censor yourself. Yes. Like write down everything that you're thinking, even if you think it's, re- it's ridiculous mm-hmm. or you're embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Nobody else needs to see it but you. But what am I telling myself about this? And oftentimes, as soon as you actually write it down on paper, people will say, mm, I can see that that's really not mm. realistic. I can mm. see that I'm being really unbalanced in mm-hmm. my thinking or irrational in my thinking. And so just getting it out of your head and onto paper can be helpful for people. Yeah, definitely. But then if there are things there that uh, you might be believing to be true, then this, the, the D can help you to say, well, hold on a minute. Is there potentially another way that I could look at this? Mm-hmm. Is there an, another alternative, another a possible alternative explanation this. So it can just help to shift some of that more pessimistic, unbalanced kind of thinking. If there's a lot of self-criticism, self-judgment, yeah. you can t- you can shift some of that around. That's a real goodie. And then E is to come up with something more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a that's a really neat little process that anybody can do. And I, I have that just on a Word document and I, I email it out to people and they can just... Mm-hmm. But once you know it in your head, you can do it yourself. Yeah. Um, so, but the other thing is, again, just the mindfulness. You know, we talk about mindfulness and it's just noticing those thoughts and just recognizing that this is the story I'm telling myself and it's just a story. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily inherently, there's no inherent truth to yes. it. Um, so that diffuse, like being able to unhook and detach from that story and not fully believing everything that you're telling yourself mm-hmm. about this difficult situation. Um that can be helpful as well. And I need to go straight from that into mm-hmm. mindfulness and self-compassion because mindfulness yes. is a big part of self-compassion. So it's noticing, of course, what's happening, how, how am I feeling, what am I telling myself, and how can I be kind to myself? Because let's face it, mm-hmm. disappointment and failure and setback, you can reframe it however you like, but it hurts. It hurts so bad. And that's what we... And we don't want to shy away from that. We don't want to avoid... Um, that discomfort. Mm-hmm. It's not about not feeling bad. It's about giving yourself some kindness mm-hmm. um, in that moment and recognizing this does, this sucks actually. Really this sucks. is really painful and this is not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not what I <laughs> I would have uh, hoped for or anticipated, mm-hmm. but but it's happening and that's the reality. Yes. So mindfulness is being present to what's happening, mm-hmm. but also being able to be kind to yourself, giving yourself the same kindness that you would a friend in a similar difficult situation yeah. or experiencing a similar adversity. And we're not very good at that because that whole pessimistic explanatory style is about, this is all my fault. I'm such a loser. What's wrong with me? I never get anything right. So if we can shift that mm. and to say, well, maybe it's not all me. And in fact, maybe, okay, this, you know, this hurts and I can, I just need to be a bit gentle with myself yeah. and give myself some self-care before I regroup mm. <laughs> and then come back and and, you know, take the next step towards That's whatever. That's really might. helpful. Yeah. Because you can't just say 
every failure is a lesson. No. I'm moving forward and it's great. That process really there's separates. There's a process. Yeah, there's a process there. And then you may look back and go, hey, I failed upwards and it's fantastic and I failed fantastic. But you do need that process. But in process. the moment, you need yeah. to give yourself some kindness. Yeah. The other thing is about um, failure, like even how we feel about failure, mm. um, that's really interesting as well because I don't know if you've ever heard about the um, the growth mindset versus yes. the fixed mindset. Yes. That's research that's come out of Stanford mm-hmm. University recently. So um, the fixed mindset basically is the belief that I have certain uh, skills and talents and characteristics that uh, are fixed. Mm-hmm. I'm born with them. This is who I am. I'm good at maths. I'm not good at running. I'm I'm good at that, but I'm not good. Like that's just yes. who I am. And so the other, the growth mindset is that I actually can potentially develop any skill that I want in any area mm-hmm. if I put in enough effort and I'm mm-hmm. consistent enough in my approach. And so if you have a fixed mindset, this is the interesting research that has come out. It's like your whole self worth and identity is wrapped up in this is what I'm good at. Yes. And therefore, if I do something and it doesn't, therefore it should come easily to me. And if I do something and it feels difficult or challenging or it's outside of this domain, then that feels frightening to Mm. me because that reflects really badly Mm -hmm. on me. And so people tend to try to prove themselves over and over within this domain. Like they're very intent on staying in their box. Yes. And continuing to prove themselves in those areas. And failure feels terrifying because it's it undoes who you know who they think they are, and I say they, I mean all of us. Mm. If you have a fixed mindset, mm-hmm. and so I think all of us to some degree, I know I can remember as a kid feeling like that's what I'm good at, but that's not me. Yeah, I'm not course. good at that, and so I would not venture in really into those areas that I didn't feel like mm. I was good at because I didn't like feeling incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> actually, and and adults especially don't like feeling incompetent, but. I, it, it sort of was, uh, it, it just felt clear to me early on that I was good at maths, but I wasn't very good at music or mm-hmm. whatever. And different kids will um, experience that in different ways. But if you have a growth mindset, you have this belief that I can do anything if I put my mind to it and feedback, if I fail at something, then the feedback is really useful because it gives mm-hmm. me a springboard to know what to do different or better next time. So you're much more likely to take risks and put yourself out there because failure doesn't, is no reflection on Mm. my inherent ability or worth. It's just feedback. Whereas this fixed mindset, so this is fixed and growth mindset can be really interesting as well. How do you change from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset? Can you change? Can you work on that? You can work on that. Yeah. And you can just by recognizing it for a start. Okay. And then it's about when you recognize that you're feeling like I, uh, this is difficult or challenging, then you can, you just push yourself out of your comfort zone yes. to some degree and you reinterpret, re, mm-hmm. you know, failure, the idea of failure. I think just, again, it's one of those things that just the knowing of it yes, is enough to make you realize when the mindfulness, I can see what's happening here. Mm-hmm. I can make a choice to do something different in order to extend myself or to grow. Mm-hmm. Just going out as an adult and doing things that feel new and different and uncomfortable. So hard though, Cass. I know. So everything we're talking about, like mental toughness, resilience, 
being outside your comfort zone, failing, they're all uncomfortable. Mm. So how do you push yourself to do it if it just feels yuck? That's why I love mindfulness so much because inherently mindfulness is about being able to tolerate that discomfort. Right. So you got to practice like not ha- not letting that define you. I think practice that sitting in that discomfort, like not just doing it once and then retreating and going, "Oh no." I always say just push to the edges. Okay. Like don't leap so far out of your comfort zone that it's so overwhelming and frightening mm-hmm. that you you're just going to retreat straight back mm-hmm. in. I always say just push the boundaries a little mm-hmm. bit. Just take yourself to the edge mm-hmm. and push and the more that you take small risks and start doing some right. things differently. That's helpful. Then you can then the more that you get the feedback that oh well that wasn't so bad. Mm-hmm. I survived that. I actually learned something from that. That was kind of exhilarating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the more likely you will be to try again. Yeah. Fantastic advice, Cass. So let's take a little break. We'll be back soon and we're going to talk about more ways you can build resilience. You're listening to Crappy to Happy with Tiff and Cass, and we're talking about resilience. I have a question. Is resilience about toughening up? You know, if if you're, say, being bullied or something like that, just, you know, sucking it up, being tough, getting through it, getting over it. I think that's a bit of a common misconception, mm. actually. And that's not what we're talking about at all. Like mm. just sucking it up. And, and if we're talking Hardening about... Hardening up, you know, all those things that are said to kids sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and with, when you're starting to talk about bullying or verbal abuse, you know, that's a whole separate issue. I think issue. it's important to clarify that. And so yeah. we're not talking about just you know, sucking it up and mm-hmm. dealing with things that are more like unacceptable behaviours, mm-hmm. there's a there's a separate process for yes. those things. We're talking about really having the skills and the capacity to cope with life's stressors Stress. and difficulties mm-hmm. and adversities, which we all face, mm-hmm. failures and setbacks and disappointments and the life stuff that we all have to deal with inevitably. But, you know, b- bullying and... It's, it's handled differently to it's resilience. It's a different topic. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling stressed, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're, you're experiencing disappointments, what can you do in that moment when you're feeling that stress or something happens to you? One thing we know that makes a big difference, and a lot of people don't realise this, is that how you perceive mm-hmm. stress or how you perceive um, you know, anxiety or performance pressure, for example, makes a big difference to how you respond to it. Okay. So whether you perceive something as being uh, a threat mm-hmm. or a challenge can make a big difference, not just to you psychologically, how you approach that situation, mm-hmm. but how your body actually physically responds. Really? So, um, yeah, there's some interesting research that's come out about, about that. So th- if you perceive something as a threat, if you're in a situation that's very stressful and you perceive yourself as being under attack, then you go into a fear response and you shut down. And you, you the fight or flight you know, mechanism that we've talked about a lot, that part of your brain that alerts you to threat will kick in uh, and it starts pumping your blood. Um, you know, it's gearing you up for that fight or flight response. Mm. But what it does is it restricts your uh, blood vessels and your blood circulation because in the case of you being stabbed so that you won't bleed out, yes. you know, so back in the day, caveman days, yes. that's the that's what your body does to protect you. If you perceive something as a as a challenge uh, and that, you know, it's like almost the difference between going into something frightening like a a fight, or mm-hmm. but not that any of us are really going into a fight, like a performance appraisal where you're feeling really threatened yes. versus going into a 
a sporting match. Yes. You know, your grand final yeah. in the sporting team. Same sort of physiological response, but you see one as threatening and one as a challenge that you need to rise to ah. and bring your best performance to. Yes. And your body responds differently. A lot of the um, the physiological response is the same, but your blood vessels actually open up so that you pump more blood around your body, get more oxygen to your um, muscles and your brain, and you have a whole different response. So that that whole concept of how you think about a situation, whether you think about it as mm-hmm. being difficult or whether you think about it as being challenging, can actually, it, it's proven to um, improve your performance if you are able to um, to tell yourself that this is this is a challenge, this is nothing to be frightened of. And the ways that you can do that, yes. so first of all, you can, one really good tip is to, as you, if you're going into something that feels difficult or stressful, yes. is to remind yourself of the times in the past that you have overcome similar challenges. So it's like reminding yourself of your mm-hmm. own inherent strength Strengths. and capability, um, the strengths that you've had, that you've been able to draw on in the past. Like it's just that mental kind of reminder that I've done this before, I can mm-hmm. do this again, I've got some inherent resources and mm-hmm. capabilities. Um thinking about how prepared you are, you know, just okay. just an acknowledgement that, like even coming in here today, we're always when we record mm-hmm. these things, I always feel a bit nervous. Mm-hmm. But if I just say to myself, I know this stuff, I talk yeah. about this all the time, I've got, you know, plenty of Years of experience, <laughs> lots of degrees. Like, yeah. And we can pause the thing anytime. Like, you know, it's yeah. just, it makes, it takes that pressure off and I actually feel Mm-hmm. more like I can come in here and do this job. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if I spent the whole time thinking, what am I going to talk about? People mm-hmm. will think I'm an idiot. You, you know, yeah. it would be a whole different experience. So we can all do those things depending on the situation we're mm-hmm. going into. If you just have a sense in yourself, this just knowing that the stress response in your body is not a bad thing because we think of stress as harmful and toxic. We talk about that all mm-hmm. the time. And in fact, some stress is good. And if we think about our body's response to threat or difficulty or adversity is it's a protective factor. Like Mm -hmm. our body is actually gearing up to prepare us for something Mm -hmm. that is difficult or challenging. Then um, that that can just switch your mindset and it can actually just, and it's physiologically, it switches your body to a different state. Um, So sometimes just knowing that. Yeah. Can make all the difference. And you're controlling what you can control. You're controlling the controllables there. Exactly. By prepping for an exam and doing everything you can to prepare and going in there going, well, I'm prepared. I know this stuff. I've it's, I've given the effort and yeah. that's all I can do. Yeah. And if I'm feeling a bit nervous, then that's a good thing. And that is normal. And a bit of pressure in life and a bit of nerves is okay. The goal isn't to never feel nervous or to never feel stress or to never feel pressure, is it? No, exactly. Exactly right. And if we do, if we perceive those things as bad mm. and we avoid them, then that's the opposite of resilience. Yes. Then we start avoiding situations that we think are going to threaten us or um, situations we might fail yes. in or do badly in, then that's the, that's the opposite of what yes. we're going for. And something that has helped me uh, having a physical job for most of my life where my, my <laughs> being able to pay the mortgage and the bills is wrapped up in my body and being able to perform, whether that was a coach on The Biggest Loser or filming fitness videos or being a gladiator or um, a taekwondo instructor for many years. If I got injured, that meant I couldn't work. So it was always, I was, the thing I was most terrified of in my life was always injury. Oh. So 
I've had full knee reconstruction and all sorts of things that I've had. Resilience has always been tested for me through injury. How mm. do I come back through rehab and through injury and get my body back to a point that I can work? And something that has helped me has always been about finding meaning in that. Yes. So, for example, I'm running a fitness business at the moment with a broken ankle. So I have changed the focus to modifications. How can you exercise in a chair? This is great for people who are older and wanting to work out, for people who are disabled, for people carrying injuries, showing them how to work out sitting down, basically. Um, That's the meaning I've found in this broken ankle to try and help motivate me through it. And that's perfect. Is that something that helps psychologically? Yeah, for sure. Finding meaning is, is like fundamental Mm -hmm. really to resilience. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, we all know the people who come out of the most horrific experiences sometimes. And if they cope, like the resilient ones are the ones who go on to make it about something beyond themselves. The ones who start the charities and the causes, look at Samuel Johnson with the Connie Love Your Sister Foundation, Mm -hmm. you know, really horrible, difficult circumstances and look what he's done. But the people find ways to cope and to thrive by making it about more than themselves. Like they find that meaning. In Queensland where I'm from, the Daniel Morecambe Foundation, you know. Yes. Because he went missing just near where I live actually. Uh, And the work that they've done out Mm. of the most horrendous um, life experience. So, you know, that, that's probably getting into like, you know, the post-traumatic growth kind of area, Uh but there are some people who actually come out and thrive from Mm -hmm. the, the most horrendous experiences. So, you You can sit back and think, how can I make the best of this situation? What do I learn from this? Mm -hmm. How do I, yeah, how do I make meaning of this and how do I make this not worth nothing, not Mm -hmm. for nothing? So as you go along in work, in life, in relationships, feedback is offered, sometimes given, whether you want it or you don't. Yes. And taking on that feedback and um, not being devastated or falling apart if it's not positive You know, that's difficult. That's part of resilience. It is. So is it something that you have to train in? Should we be asking people for their feedback and their opinion and like go and seek it so that we can sit with uncomfortable feedback if it's not always good and try and learn from it? Is that helpful? Mm, uh, Yes. Well, I think being able to cope with not always positive feedback is Mm -hmm. important. It, I think it comes down to with the feedback thing, it's like whose feedback is important for mm-hmm. a start because there'll be plenty of people, you know yourself, Tiff, there'll mm-hmm. be plenty of people who will offer you feedback mm-hmm. about how you parent and about how you run your business. <laughs> yeah. And so it, you've got to re- really come back to you can be defeated by all of it mm-hmm. or you can be defensive and say you don't know what you're talking about. But mm-hmm. there are these people, who there are certainly people who kind of crumble or are very resistant and defensive to negative feedback. And I think the key is about differentiating which which feedback is relevant and important and which is not. So having, having the capacity to filter out what is not necessarily relevant mm-hmm. or important. Mm-hmm. I, I always go back to Brene Brown because she's in the public eye. And I know we're not talking about necessarily people in the public eye, but she's in the public eye. She did a TED talk and she just got walloped by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so she's got a rule now that she only takes feedback from people who are in a similar situation, people who are prepared to put themselves out there. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't take feedback from armchair critics, basically. Yes, yes. Um, in a workplace, for example, uh, you, sometimes in order to grow, you mm-hmm. need to take 
people's feedback. Mm-hmm. And I think this comes back to that fixed and growth mindset. If you fundamentally believe that I, um, my self-worth is tied up in what other people think about me doing well in this particular domain, then that's very limiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you, we want to be able to take on some of that, have the capacity to take on some constructive mm-hmm. feedback and mm-hmm. to be able to grow from it. And sometimes it does mean practicing. Sometimes it does mean putting yourself into situations and saying, can I have your feedback yeah. on this as difficult and un- uncomfortable as it is and learning and understanding that you're not defined by that. Mm-hmm. So I think it, when it comes to receiving feedback, particularly in the workplace or mm-hmm. situations like that, then the important thing is not to personalize it too much. If we go back to that pessimism, you know, that pessimistic explanatory stuff, mm-hmm. it's very easy to jump to. I'm terrible, I'm a loser, you know, and your mind start kicks in with all of those kinds of thoughts. So just being able to remember that uh, it's not all about you. It's not, it's not personal to be able to, you know, what happens oftentimes in a situation where you're getting negative feedback or you feel like you're in a difficult conversation as well, Mm -hmm. is that the fight or flight response kicks in Yes, because we feel threatened. We feel like our identity is threatened, our sense of ourself and our um, self-image and everything is being threatened. So that can make it really difficult to actually be centred enough to take that feedback on board and to take what potentially could be really valuable from it. So if we can calm that down and Mm -hmm. slow, deep breathing is the best way to calm down the fight or flight response. And we haven't even talked about that before, but slow, deep breathing into your belly to mm-hmm. calm down your own anxiety and calm down that threat response mm-hmm. um, is a really great way to just stay centered mm-hmm. um, to, you know, to, to listen, to, listen, to, hear to, the to actually be open enough yep. to hear the feedback and then to be able to, after that initial, um, you know, the, the difficulty or the mm-hmm. shock or however you're feeling about mm-hmm. that, to be able to then go away and process that and to then decide, well, is there something that I can learn from this? Um, you know, what do I take from this that's important to me Mm -hmm. or that, that, you know, how can I grow and benefit or not? Or I might say that's, I don't actually think that that's true. I don't agree. You have always got that choice, but you want to be able to be open-minded enough to hear it and not be completely defeated by it in that moment. That's really helpful, Cass. Thank you. And we hope that helped you too, listening. In the next episode, we're talking healthy relationships. We'll speak to you then. Crappy to Happy is recorded in the Podcast One studios. Produced by Dave Zwolenski. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes and to check out other great podcasts, go to podcastone.com.au or download the app.